Super Flexible Podcast. Dennis Dennis Bennett. Take 332. Let's get it right this time, guys. Cheese and rice. Hey, oh, welcome back to Super Flexible Podcast. I am here with Dennis Bennett. This is the third episode of 2023, and I wanted to have Dennis on. First of all, Dennis, thank you so much for being here. Dennis is managing editor at Dynasty Nerds. If you haven't heard his voice, if you have, you know you can find it over at FF Roundtable. You guys have been crushing it a long time. I was thinking about that today. Like, Dennis, I have known you a while, and we keep just kind of, like, running into each other through the the inner tube and also in person. I've met you a couple times, and I'm here to say Dennis is a top-notch dude. Like, always a pleasure. Just you make people feel comfortable. I think it's, in, it's right in your Twitter handle, and he made it simple for us. I don't know if anybody's mentioned this to you, but it's at culture underscore coach and i can't tell you how important i feel like culture is and i think that dennis embodies that and even following it up with coach because i've had some great conversations with dennis and he just makes you think i don't even want to say different he makes you think right he just makes you kind of feel it and you're like you know what like you're right i knew that but you needed to hear it Dennis, I mean that sincerely. I appreciate you a ton. Thanks for being here. If I miss anything in the intro there that, that you're doing or you want to push, like, please, it's important to me that you do. Thanks for being here, dude. So I'll, I'll, I'm going to let you talk, and then we'll tell them what we're going to do. Uh, back, like, when the Fantasy Life app was, like, seven people, and we were two of them. And Yeah. And you're one of the reasons I kind of got started when I was at Fantasy Life. I saw you start doing a podcast and people start writing. Uh, Sal Lito and the Falafel guys start to do stuff. And I was like, well, I think I got something to say. I don't know if people will like it, but I think I got something to say. And so you guys kind of inspired me to go on. And that's that's when I reached out to Matt Fox, who's one of my co-hosts at the Fantasy Football Roundtable. He was the editor at the Fantasy Life at Blog at the time. And I started writing for them and then got recruited to Dynasty Nerds. And I've been there. I've been rolling on the fantasy football roundtable. Um, I'm not sure where we are with number of shows. I know we passed 500 shows uh, a year or so ago, but then we changed distribution formats or hosts or something, and it seems like we lost the number. And now, I, honestly, I don't know. We we do two to three shows a week um, in season and and off season, so. You know, we're pumping out 100, 150 shows a year, and it's great. Matt and Matt have done some great stuff. Matt is Matt Matt Fox, big into the movie community. He's a film critic. Uh, he votes on different awards. Uh, he, he as well as being great with fantasy football. Matt Bruning, one of the co-founders of Campus to Canton. Um, you know, he was with Dynasty Nerds for a little while, and then he branched out and did the Campus to Canton stuff. He's my go-to when it comes to Debbie stuff and, and college stuff. I just, you know, I like to get on, talk about fantasy football, have some fun, and you know, I'm I'm a top, known as a top dude in multiple circles. Yeah, that's right. You tell them, man. Tell them how it is. 
<laughs> but yeah, all the way back since Fantasy Life app, like you said, man, and and yeah, Dennis is a guy that you need to know. Is is that we said in the need to know? Right. So we have some simple stuff. Well, maybe not simple, but Dennis is going to bring some strategy here. Of course, one of my favorites. We've got some public nervous announcements or a public nervous announcements from Dennis. And then we, we're going to, we're going to set the standards here and we're going to talk about a little bit of standard scoring. We had Pat Fitzmaurice on last week and we actually brought up standard scorings and just a little bit of that old school. And I instantly thought of you, Dennis and the league setting the standard that you set up. I think the startup was 2022 startup. So we're going, this will be our first official rookie draft after a season. And you do the the standard rankings over at Dynasty Nerds as well. We didn't mention that going into the show, and that's what inspired you to start this league in the first place. So it was really – I wanted to bring you on. As soon as we started the league, I had thought of this and just kind of talking about it because you notice instantly it's not the same. And, and so you have to – even if you have to tweak it afterwards because you're going for your guys and you're kind of drafting normally, you, you quickly notice this league is not the same. You did set the standard, and I, and I like it. I kind of like the just old-school feel of it. So we're going to get back to that standard feel a little bit. But I did want to get into some strategies, some moves you try to make in the offseason when building your teams. You know, I I have uh, – I tend to be a less is more philosophy kind of approach to trading in general because, you know, they're – I love these trade addicts guys. I think, you know, Russ Fisher does a, a, a phenomenal job with all of that. But I can't – I'm not somebody who can just trade to trade. You know, we've been in leagues together for several years now, and I've probably told you more than once, oh, that's a very fair offer, but I think I'm going to keep my guy. You know, because I I tend to try to build teams with players that I like that I think are going to do good. And when you build a team you like and think are going to do well, I, I find myself going, well, why do I want to trade this guy away? Like, in, in setting the standard, um, Pete Bartowski – sent me a couple offers, fair offer, Kirk Cousins and Dallas Goddard for Kyle Pitts. I think that's a fair offer. based Especially think, in that league. There's no tight end premium. And, and I think Pitts has fallen off a little bit. I still think he's got immense potential. But Goddard has shown himself to be very, very good. Um, Cousins is a is a is probably a plus quarterback. He's probably top 15, but he has he can disappear. But he's ending the season league, at 34, right? Right. And he's just, in a standard league, though, I want quarterbacks that are going to add something extra. If I don't have a quarterback that's a, that's a threat to throw 40 to 50 touchdowns, then I want a quarterback that's going to run. So now I have Jalen Hurts and Daniel Jones in that league. So while it was probably a fair offer, I, I, to me it was like I, I'd rather keep Kyle Pitts and, and take the chance – because I believe that Pitts is going to be a very high-volume, high-yardage player. I don't think he's – you know, touchdowns are fluky, and in standard leagues, really, it it's like the lottery. You're playing the lottery because you want to get guys that score touchdowns. 
And the mantra in fantasy is, you know, touchdowns are fluky. Yeah, they're fluky, but yet Austin Eckler scores 18 of them every single year. You know, there are some guys that just score touchdowns. So in, in standard leagues, I'm, I'm looking for guys that I know what to expect from them from a touchdown and yardage standpoint. You know, Julio Jones used to get uh, a lot of crap because he didn't ever, the perception was he didn't score enough touchdowns. But he was a six, seven touchdown a year guy. But we always wanted more to go with his, you know, 1,500 yards and 75, 80, 90 receptions. So he, he kind of just got banged on because he didn't, he wasn't putting up 12 touchdowns a year like Mike Evans does. So you have to get your expectations in line with the players. I'm not drafting. Isaiah um, Spiller or Joshua Kelly, knowing that um, Austin Eckler is 29 years old and probably going to start his decline, I'm not drafting those guys with the expectation that if something happens to Eckler and they decide to to move on or Eckler gets injured, I don't think either one of those guys are going to rack up 18 to 24 touchdowns. That would be unrealistic because they're not Austin Eckler. I think Eckler has a nose for the end zone. That system doesn't necessarily provide the running back. And you have you have to kind of approach your team like that. In in standard scoring, yeah. I was in getting ready for the show, I was going through fantasy pros and kind of comparing standard scoring to um, uh, PPR scoring. And there isn't the difference is in the total number of points scored. It isn't necessarily in where the players rank in the rankings at the end of the year. A lot of guys will still score. Like if, if they're RB2, they're, they're probably going to be somewhere in the RB2, 3 range, maybe 4 at worst. It's just the difference between the RB1 in PPR and the RB1 in standard is like 100 points. So it, the points vary a lot. But the ranking doesn't really. And I think sometimes we get so wrapped up in, oh, well, it's standard. I have to really make this big adjustment. Uh, But you don't have to make that big of adjustment. It's typically just a swing of two or three places. Now, if you're going from RB11 to RB13, RB14, that's an RB1 to an RB2. And the perception is huge in what the difference in that is. But it could very well be just, you know, 15 points. It could, yeah. it could be 10 points in, in, in the difference there. And, and I think we got a little bit too wrapped up in that part of it because, like, let's see. So Eckler was the RB1 in uh, PPR. He scored 372 points. He was the RB4 in standard. Mm. Pretty close. In actual value to the league, there's not a drastic difference. The difference is that Eckler scored 108 more points in PPR versus what he did in fantasy. But he was there was only, you know, a three-spot difference. Josh Jacobs was the RB1 in standard, but he was the RB3 in PPR uh, with a difference of about 53 points. Mm. So the, the difference is just the total number of points. But that applies to everything. It, it almost reminds me of the debate between four-point passing touchdowns and six-point passing touchdowns. Yeah. It, it, 
almost exactly the same debate. One um, glaring difference I noticed last year in setting the standard was Jalen Waddle, and that was. But I'm talking 2021 in setting the standard. I I believe he was somewhere around like wide receiver 22. But then if you would go to a PPR format, he was like anywhere from wide receiver 11 to wide receiver 12. A lot of that though, like last year, I think he only averaged like 9.8 yards per reception. I I honestly am, I I don't quote me on anything I'm saying here. It's somewhere around there. Well, but, and and not a lot of touchdowns. What's that? That's the Jarvis Landry conundrum. Yeah, so now, I mean, and then this year, though, with Waddle, I mean, it was a totally different story. Like, he it, he was probably closer in both formats. But last year, so, I mean, man, if you have some of those PPR guys, like even Amon Ross St. Brown last year when he was getting all the receptions or, like, um, I, and I'm thinking more 2021 even, um, Hunter Renfro when he was getting peppered all year long. Like, some of those guys, like the the wide receivers that were peppered because in that league if you're flexing you want a quarterback or a running back because the wide receivers in standard don't get you much points at all even i mean you have to have a stud to get like those running back points otherwise a lot of them average like eight points i mean average a lot of the good wide receivers that we like and love yeah it's so we play in, in the private Dicks League as well, which is a crazy scoring league. Also, it starts 22 players. And it's not uncommon for half of the league to score over 300 points on yeah. any given week. Whereas in setting the standard, it's not uncommon for only two teams to score over 100. Yeah. And and so the, the, it's really that thing. You know, you mentioned Waddle. Waddle was actually higher in standard scoring than he was in PPR scoring this year. Wow. He, he was a, I wide love receiver that. seven in standard, but wide receiver eight. And that was because yeah. Amon Ross St. Brown leaped him in PPR scoring. Mm. So St. Brown went from 12 to seven in 12 in standard to seven in PPR. I mean, the edge you're going to find isn't necessarily with running backs where everybody wants to think. The edge is figuring out who are those Jarvis Landry archetype wide receivers that are going to be good for PPR but aren't going to be great for fantasy? Mm-hmm. And and that's the difference maker when a lot of people want to focus on that that the running back. Running backs are a little more consistent across the scoring format. I want to focus on the running back, Dennis. I'm that guy. <laughs> I know you spent all year trying to get AJ Dillon from me. <laughs> I finally gave in, didn't I? But but I get what you're saying from the other aspect because I don't have a wide receiver one in that league or anything close to it. Like putting up those kind of wide receiver like so the edges where those guys that are finding the wide receivers that are putting up comparable points to my running backs. I don't have those guys. Yeah, I I have Jar, uh, Justin Jefferson, who that's uh, huge in PPR. He was wide receiver one in PPR yeah. and standard. Yeah. But then my RB or my wide receiver twos ended up being Deontay Johnson and um, 
Who's that other cat? Brandon Cooks. So I made the in this league. I I was like, well, what I'm going to do is go and I'm going to go RB heavy. I'm going to get my quarterback. I I punted my second quarterback. I went with Davis Mills because I thought he would make it through the season. Um, but I was like, my flexes. We've got two flexes in that league. I'm going. I'm going to go with running backs, and so I have Sanders, Burnett, Harris. Um, Derrick Henry, uh, Latavius Murray currently. I think I might have picked him up somewhere throughout the season. So I I had what I felt like was a difference-making RB core, but I think what what hurt me was that Brandon Cooks and Deontay Johnson just weren't getting yardage and weren't getting touchdowns. I don't think Johnson scored a touchdown this year. I think in PPRs going forward – He's probably going to be a, a, a decent buy, even with the ascension of George Pickens. But my tight end, I had Pitts. I had to scramble for a tight end. I ended up eventually getting Chago Conquo, um, but he yes, doesn't get any ball. He doesn't get really any volume. It's you know hope for. Well, a he's a rookie tight end. We yeah. we we need more patience than that. Hang on to him. Don't trade him to me. Oh, I'm not. I I like Oconquo a lot. He was. He was one of my favorite tight ends after the tight end position, the rookie tight end position started to shake out. Then I was like, oh, this guy looks like he could be for real. And I kind of ended like I picked him up on my Scott Fishball team and I had different different shares of him around different leagues. I love it. Um, So basically, in short, then, your strategy is just to kind of like – tread the water, see what's going on, and just not make too many moves. And um, Well, in the offseason, I, I kind of have to – like, I'm looking for a move that's going to make my team better. Mm-hmm. And you want to make a move that's going to make your team better. And a lot of times, the move is fairly lateral. And I'm not one to just make lateral moves for the sake of trading. I'm always so, trying to make a move – that I don't feel like I can make next week or six months from now. I'm projecting the future, even if I'm wrong about it. <laughs> well, I I don't know. I, I probably a narrative in, in too many leagues because I never feel like there's a move I can't make next week. I mm. I understand that there's opportunity cost, a loss, opportunity cost in these decisions. And I, I can only control so much of it yeah, to, I'm not to, to me when if you're trading because you're trying to avoid opportunity cost loss, then it's like you're just trading to trade and you're churning like, you know, just Josh. I think he made a lot of trades in setting the standard and it worked out well for him. You know, there are guys that that's their thing. You know, um, Scott Connor loves to he, he's constantly churning his rosters. I, I I'm not that guy. I, I like to and, and it probably hampers me some uh i like to make trades i'm i'm a, what i call i'm a flurry trader like i'll go a month and i don't make a trade and then i might make five trades across three leagues start looking at your teams and all, recognize some needs and oh no it's just I, all of a sudden i'm like oh i've got some time there you now go. i'm ready i you know something happens somebody sends me somebody will send me a, a trade in one league then i'm like okay i like this I think it, you know, it, it helps them. It helps me. It gives me somebody I, I like. 
and then it kind of has a trigger effect and I'll make three or four more trades, but then I'll go another couple, three, four weeks and I'm not doing any kind of trading. I don't, you know, we're in that time of year now where like I'm very reluctant to trade away draft picks right now. Mm. And in Dynasty, you know, people are still trying to get draft picks because, you know, they've made their run and whether they, they won the title or whether they didn't, you know, now it's like, oh, I need to get some draft picks. I traded it. Now I'm trying to get draft picks. And I'm like, well, I want to keep my draft picks. Now, I had one team last year going into the rookie draft. I had five first-round picks. Yeah, sometimes that's fun. I ended up trading all of them for vets except one and drafted my only share of Traylon Burks in that league. Um, but that just happened to be a situation where as I was looking at it, I'm like, you know, I'm not super big on the 2022 draft. I, I felt like it wasn't going to – it hit a point mm-hmm. where it wasn't great. We were still bit looking at uh, the 2023 draft, and it's going to be so great because of B. John Robinson and yada, yada. And so I, I decided that I didn't like enough of the rookies in that draft. I didn't think there were going to be enough of them that were going to be change makers that would improve my team and make it competitive versus getting some uh, veterans. You know, one of the veterans I got was Joe Mixon. And it, it was just I was started to make deals for, for guys like that to be able to give myself an opportunity to compete that year. Mm-hmm. I, I, think I, I think I actually finished sixth, but I didn't have the – the points to get me into the playoffs and I ended up missing the playoffs because in that league, uh, the, the gotcha. playoff spot goes to the highest point scorer that isn't a top five team. Gotcha. Dennis, I don't want to give you goosebumps, but it's time for that public nervous announcement, a player or situation that you're a little bit nervous about, just not sure how you feel about Dennis Bennett's public nervous announcement. So I am nervous about all 2022 rookie running backs. Isaiah Pacheco, Tyler Algier, Damian Pierce. We've got a, a good rookie running back coming in in 2023. We have you said all, though. Were you going to say Kenneth Walker and Brees as well? I'm less concerned about them. Okay. Uh, I, feel like, I feel like in Seattle they're probably going to add somebody because I don't think DJ Dallas and Travis Homer are – quite the level of backup, but I think Kenneth will be, be um, he's still going to be the starter. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like Damian Pierce could end up in a timeshare. Uh, Brees Hall, he's going to come back. I think there's some, he showed he was clearly better than Michael Carter. But a Absolutely. lot of these other guys that were a little later that ended up in prominent roles, the free agent market is really, really packed with running backs. And after a couple of them get signed then it starts to be like well the running backs are like well i better that you know we're running out of jobs i better try to find one maybe i'll take a little less and i'll go ahead and get signed then you add in into that the guys coming in um Bijan and jameer gibbs and kendra miller and sean tucker and uh zach charbonnet and all of these guys coming into the nfl this year and a lot of them are in that same class as the Pachecos and, and the uh, the Pierces and the Algiers. And so they may have to wait a few weeks to get some opportunity. But I think these guys, uh, a lot of these guys from last year's class are in very replaceable situations. 
You know, Houston, as much as much as Pierce excelled, he ended up getting injured. The team is in flux again. They're hiring another off uh, head coach. They're probably gonna, unless they have a massive turnaround this off season, they're probably getting a new general manager next year. Um, you know, they're gonna have a new quarterback probably. Bryce or CJ is going there. there. There's just there's so many uncertainties that I I don't want to get Michael Cartered if I'm holding mm. those running backs. Like if I have Pierce as my RB three, then I'm a little less nervous. I have. Well, but Michael Carter, I mean, Michael Carter only had like 600 yards his rookie season. There were times with Damian Pierce, like he was averaging like before the injury and before Davis Mills got benched the first time and lost confidence. Like Damian Pierce was a RB10 overall. Like he was doing better than Brees Hall before those guys got injured. Like I'm not saying he's Brees Hall or better, but um, he was having an exceptional season. And I think Michael Carter was given too much credit for something he really didn't do even going into the offseason, if I'm being honest. Um, but I, I don't know. That I just I, That's just how I feel about Michael Carter. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. But it felt like New York had bigger needs than Brees Hall. Yeah, I, and, I'll agree with that. Yeah. You know, when you look at what happened with their offensive line, you know, their defense played well. There were a lot of other holes that I think they could have patched yep. instead of drafting Brees Hall. Um, but then again, I look at the NFL through a fantasy analyst lens, and so I'm going, well, two- to three-year window, unless you're a um, generational running back, and I don't think Brees Hall is that, you know. I, I feel like there's Brees is going to share sometimes still, but mm-hmm. Michael Carter. I, I felt like the running backs they had made a serviceable committee, and then they brought in Brees Hall. So Houston may very Houston's got more needs, I think, than the Jets had last year. So it wouldn't to me. It doesn't make sense for them to go out and grab a running back at this point. Yeah. Um, but I hear you with the the public nervous announcement and all those guys. Like I do, Pacheco, Tyler Algier had a a, a low key under the radar one thousand yard season. But man, I don't have a ton of confidence in the future. Yeah, I mean uh, Isaiah Spiller was supposed to be the guy finally to be yeah. that compliment oh. to Austin Eckler. I, it, so is anybody going to be surprised if the Chargers spend a Third or fourth round pick again. On a yeah, back. nope, you know, not at all. He didn't. He didn't take the role, and you know. Th- now I feel like they've drafted a running back in the mid rounds every year for like three years in a row now, and they're all still on the yeah. roster. So to me, it feels like they should be like, you know, we've got enough pieces there to make it work. Let's let's go and get you know some offensive linemen. You know, Keenan's getting up there. We should probably take a look at that. We could use a little more help on defense. But, you know, the the running back class coming in has some really, really good players. It's pretty that deep. That, that fit that um, mm-hmm. that Pacheco, Algier, Spiller, Pierce kind of profile, I think. Well, so and combined with the free agent class you mentioned, that's, with that's all those free agents right. and the rookies, I mean, yeah, it's pretty deep well, this year. Saquon, you got Josh Jacobs, um, 
Kareem, Kareem Hunt, Hunt. Rashad Penny. Eh, I don't know. He's probably not going to be. Yeah. Jamal Williams. Uh, Raheem Mostert's a free agent. Miles Sanders. Sanders quietly had a, a phenomenal year. Almost. Yeah, he did. Good. Yep. Just, uh, you know, but he's he's probably he's not going to be agent. Back. Yep. Yeah, it's there's just so many David Montgomery, Devin Singletary, some of these guys. You know, does Alexander Madison finally go somewhere and get a shot? Mm, yeah, he'll see. I think he'll. He's better off if he stays home, right? I mean, but I don't know. It, it feels to me like the like chapter two of Michael Turner. You know, Turner spent his whole rookie contract backing up Ladanian Tomlinson. Then he went to Atlanta and had some phenomenal seasons. And I feel like Madison has that kind of arc going. He's gonna, you know, he's been backing up Dalvin Cook. I feel he's, like he's gotten on the field. He's generally performed well. He's put up a couple stinkers. You just either made him a Miami Dolphin or a San Francisco 49er. Well, I hope it's the Dolphins then. <laughs> So what is your favorite scoring system? Do you prefer, and we're, we're super flex in here, but within that super flex format, do you like PPR, half PPR, PPR, or the standard scoring? I don't play in any half PPR leagues. It's, uh, I take that back. Now that I, my longest running dynasty is actually half PPR, now that I remember. Um, I don't necessarily have a favorite I'm I'm kind of a like I, I join leagues that I think are either interesting because of the league setup or interesting because of the guys in the league or gals in the league. Mm. So I, I most of my leagues are PPR and probably most of those are uh, a lot of those have tight end premiums. Some of them have tiered PPR. Most of my leagues are super flex. You know, I, I started setting the standard. I usually play in a, a standard redraft league each year, too, um, that's set up by Bob Harris because I'll, I'll contribute some um, standard scoring information for his, his magazines each offseason. But I'm probably, probably if, if I had to set something up and say this is going to be my ideal, I'd probably go PPR because I like points. Points are exciting. Standard, it, it's interesting now because – so few people are doing it now it's kind of almost a novelty mm, yeah and so trying to figure out you yeah. know the ins and outs there it's it's like fruitcake or is it is it fruitcake or hot cross buns which one is it more like i'm not i don't i don't know that i've ever had any involvement with hot cross buns other than the song <laughs> <laughs> hot cross buns are oddly like fruitcake but okay. buns, they kind of yeah. have a ginger flavor, a little bit of um, weird gummy candy in them, um, a glaze, and then an icing cross, hence the name Hot Cross Buns. So, but both of them are very dated. Right. You know, like you said, you've never even had them. That that's well, my that's my bakery experience. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I think standard the. So we are in a era where everything is bombastic and exciting and fireworks and stuff. And that's the reason I think standard has lost its popularity is because, well, you look at the scores like, oh, that game was, you know, you know, 96 to 89. 
doesn't sound like a whole lot happened, but you take the same players from that game and you put them in some other league, and it's like, oh, that was, you know, 196 to 183. It's like, oh, that seems a lot more exciting because it's just it's more points. But it was literally the same exact players. Yeah. It just how we scored them in fantasy changed it. I, I don't know that that's, you know, a bad thing for, for standard leagues. I think standard leagues are just they're they're a way for me i guess to keep in touch with where it all started like my first league was a standard league um when ppr started i was like that's just dumb that's just giving me points <laughs> you know but the scoring my approach is to any league just know what the scoring is because that's going to be super important to you <laughs> yeah you can play in and, and if you find you don't like something about the league, set your team up for success and then bow out. Let let somebody come and take over, you know, an orphan that's ready to go. Um, but the scoring is it's so secondary to why I play fantasy football. You know, I agree I with that. I think that you can learn a lot from different scoring and different kind of leagues too, and just different builds, like you said, and and to the standard format and bringing that down kind of like you said it just kind of rips it all down to where you began like you don't always have to have rocky road ice cream sometimes you just want vanilla and it's it's damn good that said and and i i don't know if we this is a good question now just from how we started the show when you said you don't move much around and you notice you don't notice too many changes but i'm curious a player that you move up in your standard rankings at least maybe even it's just a little bit, but somebody you'd move up a little bit in standard rankings versus PPR. Well, you know, for me, I let's say I'm looking at Tampa. I'm, I'm going to have Evans over Godwin because Evans has much touches. While Godwin may beat him on yardage, Evans is probably going to make that up in uh, touchdowns. And Godwin's more uh, higher reception volume becomes null in a standard league. Um, now, I think we're coming close to the end of Mike Evans' um, fantastic Hall of Fame 1,000-yard season run. Yep. And with Tom Brady pro- most likely leaving Tampa, he's a free agent now, probably not going back there. I don't know what the future looks like in Tampa. Um, but if I'm, if, if I'm looking for a guy, I'm going to look for the wide receivers – that have that Jarvis Landry model, you know, he may get a hundred receptions, but he might not break a thousand yards and he's probably only going to get four or five touchdowns. And then I'm going to drop those guys down and I'm looking for guys that have, uh, you know, some, someone like a Debo Samuel that can combine some running, probably going to get more touchdowns, but also when he does get involved in the passing game, he tends to have a little more, the, the dot might not be as drastically different from Land, someone like Landry as you would think, but is what he's how successful he is with it. And then he does get a lot, he converts a lot higher share of deeper targets. Like Landry fancies himself as an outside wide receiver. And, you know, we tried that in Cleveland and it frankly just didn't work because that's not his game. Right. Then, you know, and then finding the tight ends that score touchdowns on a consistent basis. Now, outside of Kelsey, there's not a lot that I think I'm, when I think tight ends, that I think consistently. So I'm looking for that 
eight touchdown tight end. Not a. I'm not looking for someone like Kelsey that I think could get up. You know, 12, 14, 16 touchdowns because there's just not a lot of tight ends there. But you see the way some of these teams will get um, get their offense rolling, and then you see, oh, well, you know what, Dalton Schultz is he, he gets fairly high amount of touchdown opportunities, so I'm going to bump him up my my standard rankings. He may only end up with 750 yards, but he's probably going to have a fairly high percentage of end zone targets. Um, somebody like Dallas Goddard, you know, Goddard probably, when I look at what Philadelphia has done in a standard league, I'm almost probably dropping him a slot or two because he'll still get some touchdown opportunity. But with a running quarterback, when you get inside the 10, you got Jalen Hurts, who's always a threat to score, running the ball. And then they, when they added A.J. Brown, and then you saw the phenomenal year that Devonta Smith had this year, now they have become a team that, you know, you, they don't have to get inside the 20 to be a scoring threat. They can score from anywhere with those wide receivers. And so now that kind of dings Goddard. He may still get six, eight to, six or eight touchdowns, but I'm less confident in it, and I'm more confident in someone like Schultz. Hmm. Now Schultz will be a free agent this year, so uh, yeah, we'll see what they do, where he goes, what kind of opportunity. But yeah, I get what you're saying. In current situation, um, what about somebody you want to move down a little bit? Probably, you know, I look at so when I'm trying to build teams, I'm looking at who scores points. So. Tyler Boyd has, like last year, had a lot higher value. There was a my expectation of the Bengals wide receivers last season, twenty twenty one. That is, was that all three of them had top twenty four potential. Going into the twenty twenty two season, I felt like um, Tyler Boyd was probably outside the top forty. I thought he might be, you know, a low end wide receiver three, high end wide receiver four. Because Jamar Chase just demands such a high target share, and T. Higgins also. Like in a couple years, I think Higgins has one more year left on his deal. I think Higgins leaves and goes somewhere where he's the one because he's he's a phenomenal wide receiver. Um, yeah. But right now, Boyd even he finished as wide receiver thirty-one this year. See, so was that in PPR? So he. he was higher than I expected. I figured he would be somewhere between like 35 and 40. So he, he exceeded that. But last year he was probably 10 spots, 15 spots higher. Um, no, probably eight to eight to 10 spots higher, I think. Um, and then like this season, uh, uh, Devonte Smith was somebody that finished higher in PPR. So I, I didn't want, I, I wasn't sure about that, but it, like, I love Mike Evans for standard. And I, I'm probably pushing him into the mid-wide receiver two range now. I know he's had all those 1,000-yard yeah. seasons, but he's only barely made it a couple times. He just barely got there. Brady's leaving. I, I just feel like we've seen the best. And if I can get Mike Evans as wide receiver 18, eh, 18 to 24, I may still go for it, but I'm probably not aiming for him in the top 15. I may even wait and see if I can get him somewhere between 25 and 30, um, even even in standard leagues. 
you know, this year in standard, he was wide receiver 14. Where did he finish in? And wide receiver 16 in PPR. Hmm. So, Fairly uh, close, actually. Yeah. You know, with a, well, the point difference, 157.8 in standard to 240.8 in PPR. Dennis, let's wipe the slate clean. If you could do it all again, we're starting our setting the standard startup today. Would you build that team any differently today than you did in that last offseason? So I was really high on A.J. Dillon last offseason, and I drafted him in setting the standard as my RB2. Mm-hmm. Now, I feel like it, now that I've traded him, I'm like, man, I was probably a year early on that move. Um uh, he's probably going to have the year in 2023 that I hoped he was going to have in 2022. Um, I would look at my, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't neglect my QB two as much either. Um, Davis Mills. I, 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 and the mistake I made wasn't necessarily that I went with Davis Mills. It was that I went with Davis Mills and I didn't go with a QB three. So while I made the playoffs in the team and I ended up trading and getting Daniel Jones, um, I, I lost in the in the uh, the third the third place game, so I finished fourth on the year. Um, but if I was redoing that, I would I, I might put a little more emphasis on the second quarterback and see you know what are my opportunities to get a second quarterback that provides uh, a fairly decent running floor because even though it was standard league, we did make it super flex, so two quarterbacks um, that can run and score touchdowns are pretty pretty nice to have i liked like i said i I liked the build of my team at the time and i made the playoffs i made it to the semifinals but you know we're we're in this to win it and so uh clearly it wasn't good enough i probably went a little bit older in constructing that roster too you know i had guys like henry and um i thought i had uh Leonard Fournette on that team too, but uh, you know, but you know, Miles Sanders going into a free agent year it might not have been the greatest move. Not, I I went so running back heavy that I ended up with really subpar wide receiver two and three. Probably could have drafted with a little more positional balance, um, but I you know I made the decision to go with Jalen Hurts and then go running back heavy, uh, and I took Kyle Pitts as well. So, I mean, it could have worked, you know, Mills keeping his job all year, Kyle Pitts not getting injured and stepping up, um, Derrick Henry not getting injured. Hurts and Pitts are some nice foundational pieces, too, for a dynasty team. That's nice to have. I think what I want to take out of that, selfishly, is the importance of quarterbacks in Superflex because that's – always been like uh the what i what i want to put my hat on and it, i don't even know if it always it has to be the quarterbacks early and often and this is the way but there is an importance to having a certain amount of quarterback depth and i think up to at least a quarterback three if you can get one because like i've said in the past if you do the math there's just there's not enough quarterbacks for us to all have three. If you're in a league with me, you're already hopefully if I if I'm lucky to draft the way I want to, you're already I I have four of them. I mean that's what I want really. Right. I'm not saying it always works out or 
Dennis, I have too much Zach Wilson. <laughs> um, but I, I, that's why I like to have somebody to fall back on because I know some are going to fall through the cracks at some points. But I, I think that quarterback is king in Superflex. And I know that that's not the words that you put into this, but I, I truly do believe that. Well, I think what happens is, you know, there's a there's the philosophy that, you know, you don't have to start a quarterback in the super flex position. It is also a flex. I'm like, yeah, that, that makes sense. But where the, you know, where if you've got two running backs, three wide receivers, two flex and the super flex, yeah. where that, you know, QB 30 is going to score versus where wide receiver 70 is scoring mm-hmm. or running back 50 yeah. is scoring, is that really the move you're going to make? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mentioned that with Pat on the last Super Flexible podcast because he kind of mentioned that move as well. And I said, well, you're taking it from somewhere, though, to get that, like, if you're to compete with my quarterback, you need your stud wide receiver. So now you're taking it from your wide receiver spot to compete with it. Or like you said, it's it's your wide receiver four that you're putting your super flex spot against. I'd much rather have your Daniel Jones at that point, like by a lot for me, like by a lot. If you have any anxiety issues, Dennis, or want to get rid of that Daniel Jones share, you saw me acquire another one in private dicks and I'd be happy to talk with you. Well, I, I think Daniel Jones is uh, in for a nice little run. I think he resigns with New York. He's going to be there under the tutelage of Dayball. And honestly, the way Josh Allen has played this year, you know, don't give me, I'm not saying Josh Allen isn't a stud, but he became, he went back to a little bit more turnover issues after Dayball left. And I don't know how much of that can be attributed to Dayball or, you know, I get the other team pays their players too and their professionals, but it just is kind of an interesting coincidence there. The day ball leaves and Josh Allen gets just a slight bit shakier, um, and Daniel Jones starts to look great. Now Jones, he was he was over his head yesterday. You know, Let me ask you this, one. Dennis. Um, you've been looking up at your computer quite a bit. Do you still have that opened up? Yeah, I do. H- how many how many wide receivers how the, many uh, wide receivers does Daniel Jones have in that are wide receiver threes or better on the season? How many of his wide receivers yeah, that were yeah. wide receiver threes on the season? Or better. Standard or PPR? Either. You pick. I don't think any. Yeah. And I mean, and then you're saying, and Joe Burrow had three. Yeah. They were top you know? 31 for Burrow. Do the Titans. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have any either. I don't you know. You know what I mean? So Daniel Jones deserves some credit for doing what he did with no weapons. He certainly does. I mean, I, I mean, like, imagine, I, imagine I feel if, like Isaiah Hodgins played his way to be three receiver in New York. I think they'll get Wandale back and he's going to be a phenomenal guy in the slot. They need to get, and this is going to sound funny, a Kenny Galladay type receiver um, from the good Kenny Galladay, not the one yeah. the Giants actually signed. Um, no, they need, they need a, a an atypical, a prototypical alpha wide receiver. You know, a DK Metcalf type, uh, a T. Higgins type, a Mike Evans type. The the big alpha wide receiver to put opposite of Hodgins with Wandale in the slot. 
imagine how much crap people would be giving Daniel Jones if he just went eight and nine. He was eliminated the first round of the playoffs with Mike Evans, Godwin, K. Dotton, etc. Russell Gage. Imagine how much crap Daniel Jones would be getting if he just went eight and nine and was eliminated in the playoffs with those weapons. Honestly, I don't think he'd be getting crap for that because I've said all season, as the Giants were winning, I'm like, look, they're a year early. They're they're a year. They we shouldn't expect anything from them until next year. And then as the wide receiver situation panned out, and they just kept winning and, and they kept playing well, I was like, I think they're because I felt the same way about Jacksonville. I'm like these two teams. Yeah, it's cool that they made the playoffs, and it's probably not great for them because they're not really playoff-caliber teams this year. Next year is when they're going to be you know, that playoff-caliber team. They just happen to get there a year early, and it's probably not going to do them any good. But I, if Jones had had Brady's season or, or they had had Tampa's record or whatnot, I don't feel like he should have gotten that any super negative repercussion. If he had now, if he had been a turnover machine like he had his first three years, and that's why they were there, different story. But if he had played well like he did this year, and they just didn't make it because other teams were better, to me that was okay because that wasn't what my expectation of them would be. Yeah. My hope, sure, my hope was, you know, if I'm a Giants fan, my hope is that we get there and we make a push. My realistic expectation is uh, maybe not. Dennis, real quick, and I'm going to try to get you out of here. Who is the player, I'm guessing he won't be on my team, that you're going to go try to acquire in setting the standard, a standard format before this damn show comes out? Oh, if I'm going to, if I'm trying to acquire somebody right now, it's going to be a wide receiver. Um, I'm looking for somebody that I feel is going to give me good yardage with touchdown potential. Um, Now, the caveat being I I only have a third-round rookie pick this year, and I've already traded, I think, next year's first-round pick as well. Killing me, Smalls. I was was close, and I was trying to make make my run uh, into the playoffs. You know, I like Terry McLaurin a lot, and I feel like he's uh, reachable because he of his age and the quarterback situation. But he's the top dog there, good yardage. Um, biggest concern is Jahan Dotson uh, is a touchdown machine. So th- that kind of is a little bit of a hamper. I think Amari Cooper is another one that, I, that I'd be taking a look at. He's going to be the top dog in Cleveland. He's still going to get touchdown opportunities. He's going to probably put up, you know, 14, 12 to 1400 yards next year. Uh, Deshaun Watson. I'm not worried about Deshaun Watson getting back to his previous level of play. I think he's going to be a good quarterback. Um, you know, those are top 20 guys. Uh, see if I'm looking for, you know, how much do you believe that the Cooper cup and Matthew Stafford are going to bounce back? It might be an opportunity to get Cooper cup. Yeah, that's my problem. Uh, my problem is like the surprise Matthew Stafford retirement and not knowing when it's going to come. And then Cooper Cup is just a wide receiver again. Like back to like he's still a good wide receiver. Like he's going to score you points. You don't lose. You know what I mean? He's not going to lose it for you, but he's not going to win it for you. 
like the cost that it would take to get him. So I think they bounce back if they play together. I have some Matthew Stafford concerns still. Even even with whatever his wife has said or he has said to this point, I have some Matthew Stafford concerns. But I think we see him probably for another season. But, yeah. I, I don't hate Michael Pittman because I feel like he's probably affordable as well. I think he's a you know a twelve hundred yard receiver and has the he probably has a ten touchdown um, potential. So you know that's a lot of it's going to depend on what they do at quarterback this year in Indianapolis. That's why I feel like he's probably fairly cheap for where it's perceived he is. What did he finish as? Uh, I think like wide receiver twenty eight or wide receiver 30 and standard last year. And, and he'll get a better quarterback. Right. But he may get a rookie quarterback with growing pains and, you know, C.J. Stroud or Will Levis seem like it's going to be one of those two. I feel like yeah. Houston goes Bryce Young. Um, I think a lot of people are scouting the helmet with C.J. Stroud. Um, only time will tell, man. But I think he, I think Pittman's a good one. I'm going to lock it in for you, Dennis. Pittman is the guy the Dennis is going to go to setting the standard and try to add to his team, and I'm well, going to I'm going to hopefully see that trade Josh go through soon. <laughs> if Josh listens to the show, he's probably already sending me an offer. Well, it's not live. Okay, you got time. You got time. Don't let him know you want it too bad. Right. Yeah. So we're going to get out of here at right, culture yeah. co- uh, culture underscore excuse me coach on Twitter. Dennis Bennett. Find his work at Dynasty Nerds, as well as cleaning up the work of others. Rankings at Dynasty Nerds, and then hear his voice over at the Roundtable. Anything else? You mentioned Diehards. Thursday night on the Better Sports Network Dynasty Nerds live show. 10 o'clock. Show runs from 9 to 11. I'm on the 10 o'clock hour. Yes, thank you. I don't know how I missed that. I was on that show with you. I, I appreciate that. And me... I am at Swagzilla0G on Twitter. This is Super Flexible Podcast. Dennis got all stretched out for us tonight. I super appreciate you being here, man. Always appreciate you. And we are out.